Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, he's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the radio. Your host, Beth Ann. And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio. It is my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. We are on day two. It's our second day of the Declaration of Patriotism. And as we experience the revolution and build up to our celebration day, our big day, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. For such a time as this, we pray, Abba, Father, With grateful hearts, you have blessed this nation time and time again. We are rich with natural resources, and we have lived good lives. America's poorest are better than most other nations. Your blessings and watch care on America is indisputable. But now we, your children, Father, we have strayed so far from you. We have forgotten who made America who actually blessed us all. We ignore your word and choose a path that is not righteous. You sent your son to save us and to set us free, but we seem to prefer slavery. In Psalms, David's Psalm 28, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. If you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Heavenly Father, these are the times that try men's souls. Our leaders are godless and they hate you. We are slaves to their tyrannical ways. They murder the innocent and still they thirst for more blood. You blessed this nation and we have behaved as spoiled children. We know, O God, that you are our salvation and you will deliver us. You will remove our enemies. Make us strong and keep us bold. May we seek you in all things and move forward in wisdom that you have blessed us with. May we look to you and not to our own understandings. Protect us. I beg you, Father. I know we do not deserve your protection, But I do beg you for your continual watch care over your children and over this nation. As we study and celebrate the independence of this nation, Father, may we know that we, your children, are only truly independent when we are completely dependent on you. For such a time as this, I pray in Jesus' name. You know, even at my age... I learn something new every day. Maybe I just relearn it. I don't know. But the nature of the patriotic time of year brings a lot of music to mind. I was thinking about an old hymn, and I decided to share it with you. God of Our Fathers. Remember that one? I have always loved the big intro to that. Da, 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 da. When I was directing and leading worship, I would make sure the pianist, the pianist played the intro before each and every verse. It was optional, but not for me, because I loved it. What once I directed, I actually had a small little brass trumpets. I think there was two or three of them. I can't remember for sure. And they played that intro each and every time. It was awesome. God of Our Fathers is a 19th century American Christian hymn. It traced back to 1876, when the United States was celebrating the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That's my new learning. Daniel C. Roberts wrote the text for the hymn to be used during a small patriotic celebration in Vermont. Daniel C. Roberts was a priest in the I'm sorry, in the Protestant Episcopal Church, serving at that time as a rector of St. Thomas and Grace Episcopal Church in Brandon, Vermont. And the hymn goes like this. God of our fathers, whose almighty hand 
leads forth in beauty all the starry band of shining worlds in splendor through the skies, our grateful song before thy throne arise. Thy love divine hath led us in the past. In this free land by thee our lot is cast. Be thou our ruler, guardian, guide, and stay. Thy word our law, thy paths our chosen way. From war's alarm, from deadly pestilence, be thy strong arm our ever-sure defense. Thy true religion in our hearts increase. Thy bounteous goodness nourish us in peace. Refresh thy people on their toilsome way. Lead us from night to never-ending day. Fill all our lives with love and grace divine. And glory, laud, and praise be ever thine. It's a beautiful song, beautiful words. I never really paid attention to them until I started directing and just now, as I was reading it and thinking what our founding fathers went through. In 2026, we will again celebrate another milestone as America will be 250 years into our Declaration of Independence. But before any of the celebrations took place, before freedom, they had to pave a way with their grit and sacrifice. Now, let's pick back up where we were yesterday with our revolutionary timeline. When we stopped yesterday, it was 1777, and the Continental Army was wintering at Valley Forge. The war is building up, and the Continental Army is hurting. The new independent America is hurting for money and supplies. Many colonialists have sacrificed greatly. How did we make it? There were many miracles, but if you've been listening and you're following, perhaps you're already history-savvy anyway, but the next event is very instrumental in our winning the Impossible Revolutionary War. France enters the war against Britain in February of 1778. As a result of the Patriot victory at Saratoga and American diplomatic efforts, France allies itself with the new American government. Can you imagine that? French financial and military aid will prove critical in winning the war. The Continental Army will learn of the French alliance in May. George Rogers Clark attacks the British in the Ohio County country. That happened through May through December of 1778. With barely 150, Virginian George Rogers Clark captures several British posts in the Ohio Territory, which we know today as Illinois and Indiana. He convinces the French-speaking inhabitants, the Kakaskia and the Cahokia, to support the Patriot side. Although Indians will continue to oppose white settlement for three decades, Clark's exploit paved the way for the expansion of the U.S. north of the Ohio River. There are numerous stories many of us may never know if we don't take the time to study just a little bit about men and women, and particularly courageous, who courageously fought in our, in our uh, Revolutionary War. There are many special creatures, many special heroes, and especially heroines. Molly Pitcher, or rather Mary Ludwig Hayes, was one of such heroines as she fought in the Battle of Monmouth in June of 1778. In 1777, Mary joined her husband, William, in Valley Forge as he was enlisted in the 4th Pennsylvania Artillery Unit. Hayes, along with other women, would wash clothes and blankets while also caring for the sick and the dying soldiers. In 1778, as Baron Wilhelm von Steuben trained men in the artillery, Mary Ludwig Hayes and other women would carry water to the troops on the field. Artillerymen would need water to soak a sponge used to clean sparks and gunpowder out of the barrels after each shot. Therefore, the troops would yell, Molly, pitcher, when they needed fresh water. During the Battle of Monmouth, Mary Ludwig tended to soldiers, and when the battle started, she spent much of the day carrying water back and forth. During the battle, William Hayes collapsed from the heart, from either heat or wounded. Mary then took his place at the cannon and continued to swab and load the cannon. What do you think happened next? You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
Elmer Heinrich here to talk about minerals. Now, most people are aware our topsoil is depleted and our foods, especially fruits and vegetables, lack many minerals compared to years ago. Maybe that's the reason the world is sick. Now, according to Dr. Linus Pauling, our bodies need 60 minerals every day, but on average, we get less than 12 minerals from our foods. Immuno 150, an incredible nutritional supplement, can fill that gap because it contains 70 colloidal plant minerals and 80 additional nutrients, 150 in all. A month's supply of Immuno 150 is available for $54.95 by calling 888-316-2224 or on the website Immuno150.com. That's I-M-M-U-N-O-150.com. The 70 minerals are the key to good health and longevity, so call 888-316-2224. 888-316-2224. You'll be glad you did. You can look for the silver lining or you can strengthen your portfolio with gold and silver. Optimism is planning for your own financial future. Melody Cedarstrom of Discount Gold and Silver Trading has been watching our economy and the banksters for well over 20 years. The U.S. has an unsustainable debt. While the timing of a collapse cannot be predicted, we know the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back weighs heavier and heavier with each new stimulus and omnibus bill. Because of our debt and the lack of solid backing, those fiat dollars in your pocket continue to deflate in value. However, gold stays true, true wealth. Give Melody Cedarstrom a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future, agrees that America is blessed with an abundance of reliable energy sources. Our natural resources are the lifeblood of our nation and have made our nation prosperous. Rural America is the heart of production in this nation. Our food, manufacturing, trucking, and yes, our energy. Power the Future promotes jobs in rural America, specifically our energy jobs. These jobs are all under attack. Wealthy radicals like Tom Stiers and George Soros promised to break the nation's energy independence. Their beloved Green New Deal attacks all that is good in this nation. Our food, our land, our jobs, our families, and of course, our gassy cows. Power the Future is fighting for you, rural America. Join them. Visit PowerTheFuture.com. See the latest news and donate to those who are fighting for you. PowerTheFuture.com. Power the Future is fighting to keep America's lights on. And we have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth. I feel like I need to stand up with that little music coming in. So when we went into the break, Molly, picture what happened. Well, according to folklore and the memoirs of Joseph Plum Martin, one British musket ball or a cannonball flew between her legs and tore off the bottom of her skirt. So Plum wrote this in his memoirs. A woman who's husband belonged to the artillery and who was then attached to a piece in the engagement, attended with her husband at the piece the whole time, while in the act of reaching a cartridge and having one of her, of her feet as far before the other as she could step, a cannon shot from the enemy passed directly between her legs without doing any other damage than carrying away all the lower part of her petticoat. Looking at it with apparent unconcern, she observed that it was lucky it did not pass a little higher, for in that case it might have carried away something else, and she continued with her occupation. The British retreated during the night after that battle. General George Washington asked about Hayes, whom he saw loading a cannon and commemorated her bravery and appointed her as a non-commissioned officer. Mary Hayes. The Southern Campaign of 1779 through 1781. Charleston falls to the British. May 12th of 1780, the British take Charleston, South Carolina, capture a large Patriot army, and deal the rebels one of their worst defeats of the war. The Charleston move is part of a broader peace, I'm sorry, broader British strategy to hang on to the Southern colonies, at least now, at the war, as the war has stalemated in Pennsylvania and New York. 
Standing six feet tall, I am so jealous of these women. Standing six feet tall, the red-headed and muscular Nancy Hart made an imposing figure for those who dared to cross her. Her fearlessness prompted the Cherokee neighbors to call her Wahachi, which meant war woman. This nickname would prove appropriate as the Revolutionary War moved into Georgia backcountry, and Hart became a staunch defender of the Patriot cause. Hart's husband fought in a band of the Georgia militia, while and while he was away, Hart's ability as an herbalist, a hunter, and a markswoman proved imperative to protecting her family and her community. As the revolution moved into the southern colonies, Nancy played an important role fighting against Tories in the Georgia backcountry. Hart succeeded outsmarting British opponents in multiple, uh, this is just hysterical to me, in multiple occasions, frequently disguising herself as a crazy man and wandering through the British camps to procure information for the Patriots. When one of Hart's children discovered a British soldier spying on the Hart home, Nancy doused the man with boiling water that she was using to make soap before tying him up and turning him over to the Patriot forces. Though Hart gained recognition after the war for a variety of exploits, one of the most popular stories involved her capture of several British soldiers. According to the legend, six British soldiers entered the Hart home to question Nancy about assisting a patriot escaping from the Redcoats. The soldier then demanded that Nancy feed them, and displaying unusual hospitality, Nancy agreed to host them, providing a fair share of food and drink. With help from her 12-year-old daughter, Suki, Suki Hart, she succeeded in discreetly removing several of the soldiers' muskets from the stack they had formed in the corner of the room. Hart had passed two of the firearms to Suki through a gap in the wall before the soldiers noticed. Hart instructed the soldiers to remain where they were. She had one of the muskets in her hand, and when one of them rose to approach her, she shot him dead, and she wounded one of the others. Suki ran to get Benjamin, her dad, who returned to the cabin. After debating with her to shoot the remaining men or hang them, the Hearts and their neighbors, mostly Nancy, I believe, hang the, they decided to hang them in a tree. The story became a legend. It has many different variations of the tale. But in 1912, a railroad company, archaeological excavation of the land near the Hearts' cabin, unearthed. Six skeletons, which suggested that some version of the myth was true. King's Mountain victory revives the Patriot hopes. In October of 1780, the Patriot militia of the Carolinas, the Virginias, and present-day Tennessee surround and defeat a force of loyalist Tories under Major Patrick Ferguson at King's Mountain, South Carolina, indicating the deep divisions within America. Ferguson is the only British soldier on the field King's Mountain. So it's a true battle between Americans and their future. The Loyalists were fighting the Patriots, and the Patriots defeated the Loyals, the Tories. The American tide continues at the Cowpens on January, I'm sorry, January 17th of 1781. The Continental soldiers and Patriot militia under General Daniel Morgan defeat a British force under Bannistray, Tarleton at Cowpens. Coming on the heels of the victory of Kings Mountain, Cowpens helps convince worried patriots that the British Southern strategy can be countered. Margaret Moore Berry, known as a heroine of the Battle of Cowpens. Margaret Kate Moore Berry volunteered as a scout of the American forces, familiar with every trail and shortcut around the plantation in her Carolina, in South Carolina, and being an excellent horsewoman, Kate was crucial in warning the militia of the approaching British. The Battle of Cowpens took place on January 17th of 1781. Before the battle, though, Kate was instrumental in rounding up the militia, including her husband, Captain Andrew Barry, to support General Daniel Morgan and his troops. Thanks to the bravery of women like Margaret Barry, the Battle of Cowpens was a decision, a decisive victory by Continental Army forces 
in the southern campaign of the American Revolutionary War. Costly British victory at Gulford Courthouse, March 15th of 1781. British troops win a costly victory over the Continentals and militia at Gulford Courthouse in North Carolina. The battle is part of General Nathaniel Green's strategy. Think about this now. you got to remember this. Of engaging the British on the ground of his choosing without winning a single clear-cut victory, he will succeed in wearing down the British Army through hit-and-run tactics and set-piece battles. Longest siege of the war at 96 was May, June, May through June of 1781. The isolated British garrison at 96 is laid siege by the Patriot forces under Nathaniel, General Nathaniel Green. The approach of British relief column leads Green to make a final and unsuccessful assault on the fort on June 18th. The events of 96 underline the fact that Britain has too few troops to hold the southern hinterlands. A young woman's courage saved the day, but almost cost her her life. Her name? Emily Geiger. You see, some battles were fought by great soldiers and others by common people who fought and sacrificed for freedom in their own backyards, just like the women we've discussed. John Geiger was a disabled American patriot who was unable to serve his country. However, he instilled in his beautiful daughter, Emily, a love of freedom and liberty. Emily, being a young woman, was frustrated by her inability to serve the war effort and could therefore not restrain her eagerness upon overhearing the exchange between her father and the neighbor. Intelligence had been obtained that Lord Rowden had divided his forces, leaving him vulnerable to an attack. General Green needed an immediate dispatch sent to General Sumter over 100 miles away, urging the general to join forces in a combined attack on a British regiment. Finding a willing man to carry the message would prove to be impossible. The route was considered a death sentence. The dense forest road was crawling with British and sympathetic Tories. Yet Emily was eager to volunteer. Oh, the Tories, as Thomas Paine would say. Night fell and the neighbor departed, leaving Emily to contemplate privately what she would had overheard. She decided to escape and go to General Green's encampment, where she volunteered herself to carry the message. General Green was extremely hesitant to expose this young girl to such danger. He tried to explain to her that if she was caught, she could be tortured and hung for treason. But the resolute young girl was willing to take the risk, with no other option and with a very heavy heart. General Green wrote the dispatch and sent her off to fulfill her dangerous mission. The first evening, Emily was weary from travel. She stopped at a farmhouse. The woman there saw her weariness and decided she should stay for the evening to sleep. But in her sleep, she was only a two hours into sleep when she heard men at the door asking for a female spy. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. What will happen to Emily? They're at the door. The enemy's knocking. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. We'll be right back. talk to you very frankly about the increasing civil unrest we're seeing these days. You can't turn on the news without hearing about more riots, violence, looting, killing, lawlessness, and mayhem. Sadly, I think the worst is yet to come, and the crescendo will be quite painful. However, I want to focus your attention on what you can do to survive. Priority one in times like these is to make sure you have enough food to eat. If you know me, you know I fully endorse My Patriot Supply. They're the only source I personally use and trust to get through the tough times ahead. Right now, you can save $100 off a four-week emergency food supply kit of delicious, nutritious meals the whole family will love. Go to preparewithbethann.com to get your food kits today. The future is so uncertain. I urge you to go to preparewithbethann.com and get ready now. 
That's preparewithbethann.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. For the longest time, I've wanted to come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. But up until now, I haven't been able to find anything that held up to my high standards. I finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. My new Giza Dream bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. The Giza Dream Sheets are available in a variety of colors, and like all of Mike's products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Right now, you can get your very own by calling 1-800-978-6168 and use the promo code BETHANN to get 30% off plus free shipping. For centuries, those who raise, breed, and work with animals have been revered and lauded for what they do. Today, across America, the rights to own and raise animals are under attack by animal rights activists and their increased influence on government and non-government agencies. This onslaught regularly violates protection from illegal search and seizure and a citizen's right to due process of the law, all of which are outlined specifically in the U.S. Constitution. Protect your animals, your animal enterprise, and your property from this abuse of power with a membership to the Cavalry Group. Membership provides immediate access to their team to protect law-abiding animal owners and animal enterprise against unwarranted search and seizure and false claims. They also work to protect their members' interests legislatively at the local, state, and federal levels. Get the shield that protects you, your animals, and your property. Join the Cavalry Group today. Call 855-748-4210 or go to their website at thecavalrygroup.com. For such a time as this, we know that the heart of a nation takes on the heart of its people. If the people have turned from God, the nation is doomed in sin. God is in control of all nations and their leaders. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The future of this nation is relying on the bended knees of the people, God's people. Will you accept this challenge to sacrifice five minutes a day to kneel and to pray? For such a time as this, Queen Esther was put in place by God to save her people. You have that same obligation now. Will you humble yourselves and pray, ask forgiveness and trust in our God to heal our land and bring America home? we have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth, and I hope you're enjoying this as we go through this revolutionary timeline. When we went to the break, we left young Emily. She was up in the upper room. She was only two hours into sleep when she heard the knock at the door and men asking for a female spy carrying a message. What had happened? What happened? Well, Emily got dressed, and she quietly slipped out the second-story window dropped from the roof and retrieved her horse from the barn and barely escaped into the night. However, on the next day, she was seized upon by her by three soldiers and transported to Lord Rowden, who interrogated her. She, being young and innocent in the art of deception, left Lord Rowden angry and suspicious. So he locked her in a guardhouse and called for a matron to have her searched. Left alone for a brief moment, Emily decided she quickly took the message out put it to memory, and began to tear it into tiny little pieces and eat it. She was just barely done with her paper dinner before the matron came in, checked her out from head to toe and found nothing, and they let her go her way. She mounted her horse, and she was exhausted, but she made her way to Fort Sumter. I'm sorry, to General Sumter. She arrived thirsty and faint and weak the next morning, but she recited her message to the general. She had completed her mission. It would be nearly two weeks before the brave girl would finally return home. But John Geiger, her father, would find an uncommon miracle in what she did, and so would America. Emily's brave act of service proved pivotal to success over the British. With the combined strength 
of General Sumter and General Green, the Americans launched an attack against Lord Rowden and his forces, leaving them crippled and crippled and unable to join Cornwallis, who would face General Washington and the approaching French fleet in Yorktown. The large army surrenders in Yorktown. The large British army surrenders in Yorktown in September through October of 1781. A joint French and American force traps a large British army on Virginia's Yorktown Peninsula. Unable to evacuate or receive reinforcements because of the French fleet, General Cornwallis is forced to surrender. Although New York City and Charleston, South Carolina, remain in British hands until a peace treaty is signed two years later, the war for American independence is essentially over. Woo-hoo! Cornwallis exclaimed, It looked as if God himself was on Washington's side. It is a strange phenomenon, he said, in history, that often the triumph of a monumental victory comes close on the heels of what have, could have been a, mo- a colossal defeat. It was so with Washington in 1781 when the midnight darkness of despair suddenly gave way to the incredible events which led to Yorktown. Isn't that amazing? The aftermath, 1782 to 1787. The loyalists, the Tories, they leave America. In January of 1782, the evacuation of loyalists begins. Largely unwelcome in the United States of America, about 100,000 Americans who remain loyal to the crown find new lives in Britain, Canada, and the British colonies in the West Indies. Among them are 15,000 African Americans, some of whom end up helping to found the country of Sierra Leone in Africa. The Loyalist experience will have a profound effect on the development of Canada's national identity. Interesting, don't you think? Seven months after the Battle of Yorktown, Washington received a most disturbing letter from one of his officers outlining the military's grievances with Congress and the consideration of a possible military revolt. Congress had failed to honor its promise made to the Army concerning salary and pensions. I guess some things started real early, huh, people? The officers pleaded with Washington... Listen to this. To crown and serve as King George I of the United States of America. They wanted him to be king. Horrified, Washington wrote back immediately denouncing the idea. No occurrence in the course of the war has given me more painful sensations. You could not have found a person to whom your schemes are more disagreeable. If you have any regard for your country, concern for yourself of posterity, or or respect of me... Banish these thoughts from your mind and never communicate a sentiment of the like nature. America had come too far to return to tyranny. Mutiny was in the air and General Washington was grieved by it. They had been, there had been a letter circulating among the officers. Many had devout, devoted many years of their lives and yet had not been paid as promised by Congress. It was noon of March 15th in 1783. George Washington's officers gathered in a building in the Hudson River near Newburgh, New York. On that morning, George Washington makes a surprise appearance at an assembly of Army officers at Newburgh. The 51-year-old man made the entrance, quite a figure. To calm, and he came there to calm the growing frustrations and distrust that had been openly expressed toward Congress in the previous few weeks. Angry with Congress for failing to honor its promise to pay them and for its failure to settle accounts to repayment of food and clothing, officers began to circulate this anonymous letter condemning Congress and calling for a revolt. When word of the letter and its call for an unsanctioned meeting of officers reached him, George Washington issued an order a general order forbidding any unsanctioned meetings and called for a general assembly of officers. It was March 15th at that meeting when Washington began his speech to the officers by saying, Gentlemen, by an anonymous summons, an attempt has been made to convene you together. How inconsistent with the rules of propriety, how unmilitary, 
and how submersive of all order and discipline. Washington continued by pledging to exert whatever ability I am possessed of in your favor. Let me entreat you, gentlemen, on your part, not to take any measures which view the calm light of season will lessen the dignity and sully the glory you have hitherto maintained. Let me request you to rely on the plighted faith of your country and place full confidence in the purity of the intentions of Congress. When he had finished, he began to remove a letter from his pocket. As he retrieved this letter, it was from a member of the Continental Congress. He fumbly reached into another pocket to pull out a pair of spectacles. Before reading, Washington, in an almost apologetic tone, said, Gentlemen, you must pardon me. I have grown old in the service of my country and now find that I am growing blind. The eyes of most of his audience filled with tears. With these words, the mood of the room changed dramatically. The content of the letter became irrelevant as the assembled officers realized that George Washington, their general, had given as much or more in the service of the new nation as any of them. There was no question that many of the angry, battle-hardened officers had been softened and moved by his speech. Now seeing their noble leader in the unprecedented moment of weakness, they were undone. Washington read the letter, and many of them actually, they actually wept. Within minutes, the officers voted unanimously to express confidence in the Congress and their country. And the letter to the Continental Congress was dated March 18, 1783, from George Washington. And he wrote, The result of the proceedings of the Grand Convention of the Officers, which I have honor of closing to your excellency for the inspection of Congress, will, I flatter myself, be considered at the last glorious proof of patriotism which could have been given by men who aspire to the distinction of the Patriot Army and will not only confirm their claim to the justice, but will increase their title to the gratitude of their country. George Washington had calmed the waters and united the country again. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. When we come back, we'll visit the Treaty of Paris. And we'll be right back. Have you heard about vine-to-bar chocolate? It's the winemaker's chocolate, the world's first chocolate made with well-vined Chardonnay Mark from the beautiful coastal vineyards of North America. Gently pressed grapes are harvested after juicing, dried, and finely milled and carefully blended into the finest dark chocolate. The Chardonnay Mark contains highly beneficial grape nutrients, flavanols, and has a natural sweetness that flavors the luscious dark chocolate. Mouth-watering, flavorful, delectable dark chocolate goodness with Chardonnay sweetness and beneficial nutrients. And it's alcohol-free, too. It's vine-to-bar chocolate. Order some today at vinetobar.com. That's V-I-N-E-T-O-B-A-R.com. Cold ship to your door, it's Vine to Bar. Vine to Bar chocolate. Visit us at vinetobar.com. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjusted fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. My Pillow 2.0 with its temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. 
best yet? It's BOGO. Buy one, get one free. MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com and click on Radio Podcast Square. Use the promo code Bethann or just give them a call at 1-800-978-6168. That's 1-800-978-6168. Promo code Bethann. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-432-8150. 800-432-8150. That's 800-432-8150. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for companies that stay with us through thick and thin and pain. Join us as we celebrate the companies who support this nation, support CSC Talk Radio. Our All-American Market page hosts companies who are now affiliates and sponsors of CSC Talk Radio, My Pillow, McCall's Candles, Liberty Tabletop, and there's more to come. Whether you contact them via website or by phone, you have to use the promo code BETHANN. These companies have endured the economic storms of bad trade policies and U.S. regulations, and they have earned your business. They take pride in their products. So visit the new webpage, csctalkradio.com, and click on the All-American Market button. That's csctalkradio.com All-American Market button. And always use the promo code BETHANN. And we have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. As we finish up the timeline today, tomorrow we will take on the Declaration of Restoration of the Constitutional Republic of the United States of America. I know, that's a big word. But the Treaty of Paris officially ends the state of war in September of 1783. The Treaty of Paris ratifies the independence of the 13 North American states. Canada remains a British province, beginning its separation, its separate development as a U.S. neighbor. Another war with England will break out between 1812 and 1815, and that will be necessary to finally secure this America as a nation. Americans' victory pushes Indians farther west. In October of 1784, the Treaty of the Fort Stanwix imposes a peace on those members of the Iroquois Confederacy that sided with the British in the Revolution. The war's aftermath will prove devastating to Native Americans. With no European allies to rely upon, Indian tribes will be under increasing pressure from settlers moving west out of the original 13 states. The U.S. Constitution replaces the Articles of Confederation. In 1787, a convention of states in Philadelphia proposes the Constitution to replace the much looser central government operating under the Articles of Confederation, which was adopted in 1777. With amendments, which we know as the Bill of Rights, the Constitution still remains the framework of the government of the United States of America. Birthing pains of a nation. The crisis period. Unity was not always an easy task during the Constitutional Convention. After January 19, 1787, the delegates tried to probe some more prickly questions, which had previously been postponed. For five weeks, the convention was on the brink of failure, a time known as the crisis period. It was during the crisis period that 81-year-old Benjamin Franklin made his famous plea for prayer. Gentlemen, gentlemen. The little progress we have made in these last weeks is melancholy proof of the imperfections of human understanding. Groping as it were in the dark, how has it happened 
that we have not sought the Father of light to illuminate our understanding. In the beginning of the war with Britain, we had daily prayer in this very room and asked for divine protection. Our prayers were heard, and they were graciously answered. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend, or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God God governs the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall in the ground without his notice, it is probable, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, they who build it. I therefore beg leave to move that hereafter prayers imploring an assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. Franklin's plea had a sobering effect on all the delegates, and they set about their task with greater determination. Even today, Congress still opens with prayer, but is it a prayer from the heart? It was only just a few years ago when Representative Emanuel Cleaver, who's supposedly a, a minister, presented a prayer one morning, and he closed it saying, Amen and A-women. When he was criticized for this, his excuse was he was trying to be inclusive. Inclusive? To the men and the women of Congress? Who was he praying to? Obviously, he was not praying sincerely to God. Seventeen, the September 17th is known as Constitution Day, and it should be a national holiday, but alas, it is not. How important is that day to you? As the delegates were signing, James Madison watched carefully each one of them. One by one, they reverently arose, approached Washington's desk, dipped their pin in the quill, and placed their names upon the inspired work. Benjamin Franklin had been trying to unite the colonies for decades. Now at the close of his life, he not only watched it take place, but applied his wisdom to the proceedings. When Franklin signed that document, it is recorded. The old man wept. I wonder if we can weep. Many lives were lost. Great sacrifices were made for our liberty, that we might have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When the men left the session, there was a crowd waiting outside to know what had been done. A woman we know as Mrs. Powell came up to Ben Franklin and said, Well, doctor, what do we have, a republic or a monarchy? To which he replied, A republic, if you can keep it. I have often wondered why all the political pundits and politicians today keep saying democracy. While we have some democratic ways, we are a republic. Did we keep it? I fear we did not. Remember always the freedom is never free, and we should not take liberty for granted, and we must protect liberty. As our Lord commanded, and is it inscribed upon our liberty bell, proclaim liberty throughout all the land, under all, unto all the inhabitants thereof, out of Leviticus 25.10. Freedom in America by Joanna Fouche. Freedom in America isn't really free. We often pay a price to keep our liberty. Remember those we loved, who fought us, who fought for us and died, and those we never knew, for whom others mourned and cried. At home our war for freedom is sadly overdue. We've let corruption stage a sad and grievous coup. No longer can we brush off dishonesty and greed, lust for wealth and power. We can't, we won't concede. Complacency is weakness. Patriots can't afford. We have to act on wrongs that cannot be ignored. 
we must give up some time spent on other pleasures to restore America's freedom, to keep America's treasures. Money spent on trifles must now go to our cause. Get rid of the offenders, constitutional outlaws. Freedom in America, it isn't really free. It's up to American patriots. It's up to you and me. I tried to find when she had written this uh, this poem, and it seemed to be about 2017. And I'm taken back by some of the words. We must give up some time. The money we spent on trifles must now be put to cause. This freedom in America, it must be kept. It's up to you and me to bring America home. CSC Talk Radio's goal is to bring America home. That includes you and your business. Radio is a powerful way to brand your company and increase your profits. Find out how to join CSC Talk Radio, help educate and activate America, and grow your business at the same time. Looking for new customers? Looking to have your business reaching out from sea to shining sea? Advertise with CSC Talk Radio. Believe in your product? Let Beth Ann be your personal spokesperson to properly brand your product and company. It's simple, easy, and affordable. Grow your business, grow common sense, and together we will bring America home. To be a part of CSC Talk Radio, call 573-796-2166. That's 573-796-2166. Or send email to Beth at CSCTalkRadio.com. Melody Cedarstrom and CSC Talk Radio team up as common sense voices of integrity. I personally endorse Melody Cedarstrom to be your trusted go-to expert for all your precious metal needs. Experts agree a financial crisis and even collapse is inevitable. Given our government's lack of economic leadership and self-interest of those in power, it's no longer a question of if you should purchase gold and silver, but if you will purchase gold and silver before it's too late. Melody encourages you to tune in each weekday morning. Visit CSC talkradio.com. We both agree truth and education are the two significant factors in both our missions. There is a wealth of misinformation out there. Let Melody and Beth Ann help you sort through the chaos and bring you home to the truths that will ensure that you and your family are protected. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading 1-800-375-4188 or online at dgscoins.com. Melody and Beth Ann are strong forces together working to preserve liberty and bring America home. Do we lack enthusiasm and understanding of the word liberty? Do we weep for liberty which we have lost? Or do we simply not understand the substance and sacrifice for which we were once privileged? Liberty. Webster defines liberty as the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's life, behavior, or political views. Today we seem to want restrictions. Government micromanaging our lives? But do we realize the cost? Alexander Hamilton once stated, There is a certain enthusiasm in liberty that makes human nature rise above itself in acts of bravery and heroism. As a republic, we the people must guard the liberty of others. We must continue the enthusiasm that will make men free. Visit CSCTalkRadio.com, where Beth Ann puts enthusiasm and common sense back into American liberty as she brings America home. (laughs) 